2: Hey, Dr. Flack, aren't you glad to be back? Yes. You know, every week, it's so interesting when we get ready to do the show and we do preparation for the show. And, you know, one of the things that I always find really interesting is just how we take the news and how we present it to our listening audience. It's
3: the way yeah. I'd like to hear the news. Because That's the way presented.
2: Because there's so much, there's so much news and, I, you know, it kind of reminded me of something really silly. So, so it, you know, in my in my house, in my garden, I, I'm trying to get the dogs not to pee on the flowers. And it's definitely a challenge because there's so many dogs and so many flowers. And it's really, it's the same thing here. It's trying to be able to find the best and most interesting news that is going to benefit not only our listening audience, but is also going to help us educate other people we come in contact with. because. Yeah. And I think that's really important.
3: In a very concise sort of presentation.
2: So really, that's basically my musings for the week. But let's kick off the show with the weekly countdown. In seg four, we're going to talk about one man's fight with an alligator to save his dog. Now, this is purely man versus nature.
3: In segment three, we're talking with Doug Shoup from AAA about planning a vacay with Fido or Fifi. And how the pandemic affects travel plans for pet owners and others. And in two, in this portion of the show, I'm focusing
2: on new celebrity cat ladies and who got pets after their beloved dogs died.
3: And I'm going to talk about why it is important to take your dog to the vet when it has kennel cough.
2: And in segment one... The Leech Dog and Meat Festival is an annual celebration held in Yulin, China, during the summer solstice in which festival goers eat dog meat and lychees. The festival began in 2009 and spans about 10 days, during which thousands of dogs were reportedly consumed. As you can imagine, the festival has drawn criticism both domestically and
3: abroad. So joining us to talk about how the coronavirus pandemic and new and pending legislation about dogs and other animals for consumption is affecting the Yulin festival. And it's Dr. Peter Lee, the China policy expert of the Humane Society International. Dr. Lee, thank you for returning with us today on the Pet Buzz. Good to
4: be here.
2: So, Dr. Lee, other than the obvious eating dog meat, why is there so much controversy surrounding the yearly Leeching Dog Meat Festival?
4: Uh, Because uh, this industry and also the uh, dog meter festival uh, have been suspended by a host of illegal activities and immoral activities. As we know that dogs are stolen and are shipped over great distances to those, you know, markets and are slaughtered sometimes publicly. Some of the slaughter operations even, you know, happens next to elementary schools. And most of the dogs are slaughtered for food, uh, dying. With all kinds of illnesses, and of course, I have to point it out, large number of dogs, you know, in concentrated areas, slaughtered massively, is a great and a potential breeding ground for the outbreak of pandemics.
2: I would also think there was a spread of rabies and a risk of uh, cholera as well from eating yes. meat that's not necessarily healthy.
4: Yes, you know, because when you ship a large number of dogs to the market and you slaughter those dogs, you know, within a specific, you know, period of time. So for the traders, it's very easily, you know, for them to be scratched and to be bitten by the dogs. And China is the country with the second largest number of rabies in the world. And that's why, you know, uh, it's a huge, you know, public health issue because of the rabies concern. And China has a national target to, you know, end the repairs, eliminate the reviews by 2025 if the dog meat industry continues. That national objective won't be able to be achieved.
3: You know, our listening audience really would like you to answer this question about is, is eating dog meat been a popular practice in China, and is it changing?
4: Uh, absolutely not. You know, uh, dog meat has never been part of China's mainstream food culture. Only a small number of people eating dogs, but I want to emphasize there is no such a saying or, you know, such a thing as, you know, consumer demand for dog meat. No, there is always demand created, promoted by the traders because they want to make money. I can tell you there is a demand for uh, dumplings, uh, for, you know, other traditional Chinese food, but there is no such demand for dog meat. If you don't have a dog meat on the market, there will be no revolt. But if you don't have a dumplings or noodles or the other changes in the change of food on the market, people will revolt.
2: Well, Dr. Lee, we're so happy you're here. Dr. Lee is joining us from the Humane Society International. He is the China policy expert. And we're talking to him about the leech and the dog meat festival that's been happening since 2009. So, Dr. Lee, can you talk about how recent legislation about the status of dogs by the Chinese government might eventually contribute to the ban on dog meat?
4: You know, actually, it is not a legislation. Uh, it is uh, the release of a, a livestock list. Yeah, In that livestock list, dogs are not included. So in other words, dogs are not considered to be livestock, to be slaughtered, to be used for food. Now, the spokesperson of the Ministry of Chinese Agriculture said very specifically that dogs are not livestock. Dogs are animals now this rec- recognition is groundbreaking why is it groundbreaking because for the first time a communist government recognizes dogs as companion animals not even as pets but the, if you talk about a pet it's just a one-way one-way street a pet receiving love from the owners but companion animals the, the love is you know it's a, a you know a mutual you know you got you know love from the companion animals and you, pro- you you provide the love for that animals. So there's a major, I would say that's a major, you know, uh, a change of policy on the side of the Chinese government. But it's going to impact people's attitude towards the dogs.
3: That's great, right? Yeah, I plan. really, I, I appreciate that, too. I understand what you're saying, too. So how has the coronavirus pandemic affected the dog consumption and other wildlife and the festival in general?
4: Uh, you know, China, you know, shut down wildlife market on February the 24th, the complete, you know, shutdown and the shutdown and the outlaw, uh, it was outlaw and still going on. And at the same time, you know, the entire country was, was shut down, you know, in terms of business and the markets, the livestock markets were shut down for about two months. And that, caused a lot of, you know, uh, issues for the, uh, for business, businesses. Now, because of the shutdown, provincial, you know, shipment of dogs and other animals have also been shut down. So that's why, you know, you see a massive slowing down of the dog meter industry and dog meter sales. So when the business was resumed in towards the end of March, and the dog meter traders started to, you know, to come back. And so they want to sell more to make up the loss that, you know, they suffered in the two months when the country was shut down. So overall, you know, dog meat sales has been going down. And I just in response to your question earlier, there has been a steady going down in dog meat consumption in the last 10 years.
2: That's good. So can you talk a little bit with us about the future of this festival? If dog meat consumption is going down, dogs are now classified as no longer being livestock but companion animals. Do you think the future of this festival will still exist or no?
4: You know, the festival, uh, has stopped existing in name. In reality, yes, it's still going on. The, the, people don't record it to as a union festival anymore since 2014 because of government intervention. Now, I'm optimistic because there is a positive trend going on in China. You know, besides the Chinese government's dis- determination to shut down wildlife uh, consumption, two cities in China, uh, in mainland China, have decided that dogs cannot be cannot be, you know, eaten. So they shut down dog meat trade in Shenzhen, which is the north of Hong Kong, and Zhuhai. And also, at the, at the same time, the national government, for the first time, acknowledged you know, dogs as companion animals.
3: Progress. Thank goodness there's some progress. Well, Dr. Lee, thank you so much for joining us today. We, we all hope this festival is abolished, and, and as well as the consumption of dog meat in China and prohibited throughout the country.
4: It's my pleasure to be here.
2: Thank you, guys. Everyone, that was Dr. Peter Lee, the China policy expert of the Humane Society International. For more information, visit hsi.org. Up next, we're talking about celebrity pet gossip and flex facts. You don't want to miss this.
1: You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck.
5: Hi, I'm Brad Garrett. The investigation of the Humane Society of the United States exposed the link between pet stores and puppy mills. Large puppy mill operations were busted in Maine, Oklahoma, Texas, and Virginia. Bottom line, puppy mills are cruel and their puppies are often sick. So do yourself a favor and go to your local shelter for your next dog. You'll get an inoculated, already fixed dog for almost nothing. So you'll not only save some money, but you'll also save a life.
0: Warmer temperatures mean more time outside. You have sunscreen for yourself, but what about Fido? According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen too.
5: I love two things sports and my dog Chester. Where I go, he goes. To the beach, to play soccer, everywhere. We spend a lot of time together in the sun, so I always carry a can of EpiPet sunscreen. So Chester is protected from the sun's harmful UV rays. I just spray it on and I don't have to worry. Chester is protected, so I know my sports buddies can be with me for a long time. Thanks, EpiPet.
0: Use EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless, golden retrievers, and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Visit epi-pet.com.
2: Okay, so thank you so much for joining us on the Pet Buzz this morning. This show is hosted by the Dynamic Pet Duo. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm
3: veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck.
2: So let's kick off this segment with celebrity pet news. You know, last month, actress Jennifer Gardner, the ex of Ben Affleck, was seen walking with her cat in a stroller and her kids in tow. Gardner explained to Ellen DeGeneres, you know, the talk show host, that she wanted to motivate her kids into a daily walk during the COVID-19 pandemic which obviously is still going on but one of her girls said she wouldn't go out only if she'd only go out if the cat came so the actress also explained that jessica seinfeld wife of jerry seinfeld the comedian is a cat loving mama who has had a feline influence on her so now jennifer has a cat harness and a stroller and she takes her cat outside and you know what I applaud her because cat harnesses and strollers are a great way to get your cat outside, enjoying nature in a safe and a controlled way. Don't you think, Dr. Floyd? Oh, very much so. Okay. Also in the celebrity pet news is Rachel Ray, who got a new pooch named Bella Boo. Now, if you recall, Isaboo, that was Rachel's beloved dog of many years. She passed away not such a long time ago. And and Rachel Ray has shared pictures of of the new pup on Inst- on her Instagram pages a couple of times since joining the family. So, my favorite picture of the bunch of pictures that she posted is a picture of Bella Boo taking a nap and then Ray captioned it she's ridiculously cute. And that's because Bella Boo has a toy duck that she's like cuddling with. It's such a cute picture. So I like that. Ridiculous, don't you? It's cute. Yeah, it's definitely cute. So if you recall, I mentioned that Rachel Ray, Nutrish, that's her company, would be donating 4 million meals to pets to ensure companion animals stay well-fed during this time of uncertainty. Making sure that a pet has enough food to eat lessens the chance that a family will have to surrender their animal to a shelter. And Rachel was very, very insightful because... This pandemic has continues to go on. It affects our finances. Well, on the view, Rachel said that she hopes the donation will help keep families together with not only their humans but their four-legged family members too. What can you do to help four-legged furries stay with their human family members? We want to know. Post us on the Buzz social media channels and tell us what you're doing whether it's collecting food, donating money, or fulfilling local shelter wish lists. And now it's time. It's time for Flex Facts.
3: Yes.
5: Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Fact. or fiction. Just the Facts, ma'am.
3: You want answers. I want the truth.
5: It's going to take long. You got the time.
2: So last week, Dr. Fleck, you had a young guy in your your office with his dog, and the dog had a horrible cough, correct? Honk. Yeah, um, so you um, diagnosed and treated the dog for kennel cough, right? I,
3: treat, I diagnosed it in the in the waiting room.
2: <laughs> okay, well, so today I wanted to talk about kennel cough and what dog owners need to learn about this ailment. So, why don't you start out by telling us what is kennel cough?
3: Canine infectious tracheobronchitis. Anatomically, think about it: trachea, bronchitis. Upper respiratory tract. It's highly contagious. And again, it's in the respiratory tract. Okay. So where do dogs get kennel cloth? Many places. But where there's large amounts of canines congregating, Mm -hmm. such as boarding and daycare facilities, dog parks, training groups, dog shows, and this. listen to this, in the grocery store. In the grocery store because that kennel cough can be on your clothes as you go through the store. You mean your shoes? Shoes and clothes. Okay. And as you go through the store, you know you bump into people? That's where you can take it home. So when you tell me your dog never goes to the dog park or it never goes to a daycare, it can't catch kennel cough? It certainly can. Okay.
2: You know what? I'm glad that you brought this up because I know one of the things that you constantly deal with are people telling you, I, my dog doesn't need vaccines. Mm-hmm. Okay. and my, Or my cat doesn't go outside. Mm-hmm. But just because your dog doesn't get vaccines and doesn't go out and your cat doesn't go outside doesn't mean it cannot get sick because you, in fact, are bringing the germs into the house, passing them on.
3: Exactly. And it's very important to Pass that information on.
2: Okay. So how do dogs spread it from one to another?
3: Boy, is this going to sound familiar. Through airborne droplets. Wait,
2: mm. Airborne what droplets? What does
3: that sound like? Coronavirus. Mm-hmm. So that means, you know, like direct contact, touching, uh, contaminated surfaces. Hmm. What does that sound like? Fomites. Hmm. Okay. Okay.
2: Like okay. water bowls and food bowls. Okay. So... Okay other than the honky
3: cough which you demoed honk, for us honk, what honk. are the, what are the symptoms of kettle cough? Uh, a strong cough mm-hmm. uh, Like I said with a honking sound, you know they can have like runny noses, sneezing, kind of lethargy, but not so much with lethargy. They kind of act normal except they have that cough, uh, loss of appetite sometimes, maybe and maybe not a fever.
2: okay. So let's talk about treatability. And I don't mean giving it treats. I mean, how do you treat it?
3: <laughs> well, I say it's highly treatable. Didn't say successfully treatable. I just said highly treatable. Okay. It can be more severe in puppies, though. And if there's up to six months of age, that's where I see most of the cases. Okay. But I will point out if I see it in an older dog, it's usually a more serious sort of a problem.
2: But it, it, it really, if your dog is coughing, you should see a vet. Because it could be something else, Well, that's correct? exactly
3: where I was going to go with this and okay. that. You know, we can't always interpret a cough to mean that it's kennel cough. It could be part of the differential diagnosis for other types of diseases. Like what? Distemper, which we don't see much of, thank God, because of, of vaccines. Mm-hmm. The flu. Hey, ah, people, the flu. Like
2: canine don't influenza. Don't forget it.
3: The okay. one that has the same serotology to be passed on to people. They both start with the same types of symptoms or identical to kennel cough. Just like the coronavirus.
2: Okay. Okay. So other conditions that can cause that kind of coughing?
3: Yeah, you know, like a collapsing trachea, but that would be all the time. Bronchitis, asthma, even heart disease can sometimes be confused. Furthermore, your veterinarian can prescribe a round of medications, antibiotics, usually to help your dog recover faster, sometimes with cough medication too. Some of the most widely prescribed medications for kennel cough might be Batro, Doxacillin, clavamox, etc. However, because the disease is caused by both a virus and bacteria and maybe rickettsia, the dog will require a dual-purpose treatment, but it's important to keep your dog isolated from other dogs, especially in the household, and wash the bowls, blankets, toys, because, again, remember, it's highly infectious. So
2: let's talk about prevention. Okay, Can we as dog owners prevent this ailment?
3: And we should. For dogs that are at a high risk for the disease, there's a vaccine. But the the dogs that are at high risk are really every dog. Please, every pet in the household is at risk. The vaccine will not prevent the disease, but it will lessen the symptoms and the duration of the disease. It can also decrease the amount of time that the sick dog Can spread the disease. It's just really simple. When you get your annual vaccine, get the Bordetella or the Kennel Cough vaccine along with the other annual vaccines.
2: Okay, that's really, really, really important. So you need to put that on the schedule twice a year. So Dr. Fleck, is there anything else that we need to know?
3: That's all the Flex facts for the week.
2: So stick around. More of the Pet Buzz very soon. Bet you can't wait for my I Likey of the Week.
0: Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections?
6: I love animals
0: and want my pets to be healthy, so I asked our vet who recommended EpiPet Ear Cleaner.
3: It's super simple, and it even smells good. Every week I use it on both my dog and my cat to gently remove wax and debris. I even told my friend Aiden to try EpiPet on his dog, Sophie, who always had red ears. But not anymore. Now we both have happy and healthy pets. Thanks, EpiPet. Developed
0: by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com.
2: Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio. I'm pet Charlotte Reed. And
3: I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. You know, we've all been there.
2: And the reason I say that is because this kind of goes into my I likey of the week. So when you're out in a walk and you see really or you're anywhere and you see a really cute, adorable dog and you want to know what breed it is. And you don't necessarily always want to walk up to the owner and ask because, you know, maybe they're not. I don't know. So anyway, now you can whip out your smartphone and find out the dog's breed with Snapchat. At the company's recent partner summit, Snap revealed new smart features coming to the app's camera function, including a new scan feature. So if you open up the app and press and hold on the camera screen, this helpful lens will unlock based on what the camera sees in front of it. So the dog scanner function means the camera is now able to recognize 400 beads While plant snap can identify 90% of plants and trees. Now that's really important, especially for me, because I have a tree, a citrus tree in my back, in my front yard. I have no idea what it is. So what I'm doing is now I'm going to take a request for strange looking dogs to come over and pose in front of my citrus tree. Okay. According to reps for Snapchat, you can even turn the feature on yourself to find out what dog you most resemble akin to an instagram filter so one of the reps says she's a corgi short stout and very regal what kind of dog you think you'd be me yeah Uh,
3: i don't know i've just always been told i'm a dog i don't know what
2: i'm gonna take your picture and figure it out on snapchat i'll let everyone know next week so snaps camera isn't the only smart camera that allows you to work out what breed a dog is Google's lens technology, which brings cool AI that's artificial intelligent features to your smartphone camera, also allows you to snap a shot of a dog before drawing on Google search to identify the breed and tell you a little bit more about the history of the pooch. I think that's great. You might happen to see the dog of your dreams and not know what it is.
3: Yeah. How many of those videos have you seen that they've taken where people are walking with their pet and they say, look at the similarities. Look at the similarities, and that's so true, but I'm not sure that we actually have much similarity to any breed.
2: <gasps> I've been told our next guest is holding on the phone. Okay, good. So let's bring him on. I'm sure that you know the pandemic suppressed Memorial Day travel, but travelers are already planning future trips, especially pet owners.
3: So joining us today to talk about where pet owners can summer with their pets is Doug Shoup, spokesperson for AAA. Doug? Doug? Welcome to the Pet Buzz today.
5: Hi, Dr. Fleck. Thanks for having me on today.
3: We're
2: excited that you're here. Everyone always forgets me. They always say Dr. Fleck, and then it's like I'm uh, the... I understand f- the priority I'm the, of importance. Uh, I understand. Yeah, 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 uh-huh. yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, you know what's so interesting? Since the pandemic, some Americans are hesitant to travel, but I'm curious, Doug, will travel open up in the months of July, August, and September for, you know, one of those little summer trips...
5: Yeah. Hi, Charlotte. That's a great question. You know, what we are really anticipating is that we're going to see a resurgence in domestic travel first this summer. You know, road trips, they're going to be very popular. And that's especially true if the gas prices remain low. The the national gas price average is actually 60 cents less per gallon uh, today compared to last year at this time. And AAA expects that vacationers will gravitate to road trips and to rediscovering America because many people are feeling safer right now taking a road trip as opposed to flying. So, you know, we certainly recommend that travelers stay informed, heed all official advisories from local officials, CDC and the U.S. Department of State. But this is going to be a great summer to get out there and explore the great outdoors.
3: So, Doug, what are the great vacations for pet owners and their families to have this year? Well, Dr.
5: Fleck, you know, including a pet in a family vacation is is fairly easy, Uh, so long as you plan ahead. You know, most pets respond very well to travel, and the tourism industry knows this. In fact, there are more than 13,000 AAA diamond properties from coast to coast, that are pet-friendly, uh, exploring the outdoors with your furry friend is one of the best vacations for pet owners. But there are some things to you know, keep in mind. Uh, even though most, if not all, national parks allow pets, there are restrictions for where they can go in the park. Similar to beaches that you may visit. And you want to know where those uh, restricted areas are ahead of time before you travel. And ultimately, you know, we're responsible for our pets' welfare and behavior while traveling. And since animals can't speak for themselves, it's really up to us to focus on our pets' well-being every step of the way. And it's also make sure to uh, be sure that our pets conduct themselves properly so that other pets will be welcome uh, visitors in the future.
3: That's an awesome recommendation. It is. And I'm
2: just kind of curious. Do you think more people will be going to the beach or the mountains?
5: Oh, you know, both are such great destinations. It really depends on where people have already been. We anticipate that many travelers that typically do the beach vacations, they may try something different and head up to the mountains. You know, perhaps maybe like the Great Smoky Mountains or, you know, out west we have so many great national parks uh, so it, it might be one of those summers where people are going to try a different destination. You know, if we've gone to the mountains every year, let's try a coastal vacation this year. It's really a time to explore. And many people are going to feel happy to do that, you know, pack the pets and the family in the vehicle and take that road trip this year. Uh, since they're kind of putting flying right now on the back burner, maybe looking at that toward later on this year or even early uh, 2021. Road trips are going to be king this summer.
3: So then, how can AAA assist with this pet owner travel plan?
5: Yeah, well, that's a great uh, question. You know, in addition to offering suggestions for places to travel with your pet, our AAA travel agents can also help you find locations along your journey where pets are welcome. AAA travel agents can help you build trip ticks, our infamous trip ticks for our vacations. Uh, that are designed with your pet in mind. We can help you identify rest areas where your pet is welcome. Find those hotels and restaurants uh, where pets are welcome. Uh, find dog parks along your journey and even help you locate, you know, emergency vet clinics in areas where you are heading to. We have online resources to help pet owners pack for their trips as well. And, you know, your vacation's going to be much more relaxing if you have everything that your pet needs while you're away. And so you can find all of those Ideas and suggested things of, to pa- of what to pack for your pet online.
2: You know, it's funny because I travel all of the time with my pets when I'm doing once a month national TV tours. So I hear you, and AAA is one of my go-to resources, and that's why I really am so glad you're here. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with Doug Shoop, national spokesperson at AAA, about pet owning Americans and how they're going to spend their summer vacations. So, Doug, since many more folks, including pet owners, will be on the road this summer, what should they know about taking their pet on the road?
5: Well, you know, we all, of course, love our pets. They're part of our family, so we want them to experience the joy of vacationing like we're going to. So the first step to ensuring your pet's well-being during your vacation is to train uh, your pet to ride in the car. And, you know, we here at AAA recommend that you restrain your pet in the back seat of the vehicle to avoid distractions, as well as to protect the animal and other passengers in the event of a crash. The front airbag can be deadly to a pet during a crash, even if the pet is restrained. So it's important to make sure that you put your pet in the back seat. Options for restraints include harnesses and crates. That can be strapped down using the seat belt.
3: So
2: this is all such great advice, right, Doctor? Oh, this is marvelous
3: advice. Very practical too. Yes,
2: and and I think we need to. And if it, even if you know it, sometimes it's great to hear it over and over and over again, so it sinks
3: in. So you got anything else for us, Doug? <laughs>
5: yeah, it's always, of course, like you said, good to remind all of us about these. Uh, we take our a lot of precautions to protect our children and our family members. We need to take those precautions for our pets as well. And, you know, to help prevent car sickness, feed your pet a light meal four to six hours before departing on your trip. Never allow your pet to travel in the bed of a pickup truck. It's illegal in some states. Avoid placing animals in campers or trailers. If your pet cannot travel in the vehicle with you, you should probably leave your pet at home. And don't let your dog uh, stick its head out of the window during your trip. We see this so often on the freeways, but no matter how enjoyable it may seem to be for your animal, road debris and other flying objects can injure uh, your animal's delicate eyes and ears and uh, really increase uh, your pet's risk for severe injury if should the vehicle should st- suddenly stop or even be struck by another vehicle
2: well everyone that was Doug Shoup national spokesperson for AAA discussing traveling with your pet this summer for more travel tips and information visit AAA.com forward slash pet travel
3: When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? Epi Pet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, visit www.epi-pet.com. Charlotte Reed, and I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We are urban, suburban, and, and country. Well,
2: I don't know if you if you heard about this. It is a catastrophic piece of news for men who like cats because supposedly, from this new study at Colorado State University, they are less likely to get a date. Puppy well, that cock. that is the the poopy scoop. Yeah. From. Like I said, Colorado State University, which found that women are less likely to swipe right or say yes to men if they're posing with a cat in the picture. (laughs) In the study, scientists showed hundreds of women photos of two men, both men pictured with and without a furry companion. Their responses showed that the men's luck got noticeably worse when the women saw the picture with the cat. Men holding cats were viewed as less masculine, more neurotic, agreeable and open, really less dateable. That's what the author said. Well, when shown the cat-free pictures of one of the subjects, 38% of the women said they were likely or very likely to casually date him, while 37% said they would consider a serious relationship with him. Now, isn't that interesting? I don't know how they did that. Because like, did they do it over two separate days so they don't remember the guy with the cat or without the cat? Well, anyway, it's important to note that these findings were influenced by whether the female viewer self-identified as a dog or cat person, mm. suggesting that American culture has distinguished cat men as less masculine, perhaps creating a cultural preference for dog men among most heterosexual women in the studied age group. I thought that's interesting.
3: And as a disclaimer, again... We hold no judgment on these decisions.
2: Yeah, well, you know, that's (laughs) definitely some interesting global pet news. But anyway, let's move on with our next guest. Let's talk about man against nature, a conflict that is an external struggle positioning the character against an animal or a force of nature. We see it all the time, but in this case, the one that we're going to talk about today it's one man fighting an alligator to save his rescue dog's life.
3: And I am excited about visiting with Sergeant Trent Tweedale, husband, dad, and dog dad to talk about his struggle with the alligator to save his dog Loki's life. Sergeant Trent, thanks for joining us today on the Pet Buzz. Happy to be here. So as Dog said, you're our hero, but because, you know, it's,
2: I mean... We just can't even imagine. Mean, we're trying to imagine it. We've listened to your interviews, you know. So talk a little bit about what happened. I mean, we know you were out walking your dog. But, um like, before you tell us the story, talk to us a little bit about your dog, Loki.
6: So Loki's a 60-pound, six-year-old mixed-breed rescue. He was a stray puppy originally found in Miami and ended up at a kill shelter at just a month old. The Humane Society of Sarasota picked him up from that shelter and housed him until my wife adopted him at nine months old. He had a lot of behavioral issues early on, but my wife trained those out of him. Now he's a fiercely loyal and equally affectionate member of the family. He's adapted very well to his new role as big brother to our newborn son, uh, most of the time refusing to leave the baby's side.
3: Oh, what a great vision.
2: I know. I mean, vision. really. And he's, a, he's very much of a handsome, a handsome dog. I mean, really a handsome dog.
3: So I'm just curious. Do you walk him every morning in the same place or? Where, where do you walk them when the incident happened?
6: So early last year, we moved out of the city and bought 10 acres in the country. Um, we started our own hobby farm and raised our own livestock, poultry, and produce. So often, multiple times a day, we take the pups out for a walk along the creek bed through the woods and then let them get all their energy out sprinting around the pasture. The day prior to the attack, the riverbed was bone dry. But on that morning, I brought the dogs out and realized that after the major rain event, the river had swelled so high that the water level was above our bridge. So Loki and I went down to the river's edge to investigate.
2: Right. And then that's when it happened, right?
6: Yeah. Yeah. Loki, uh, he had his front paws in the river when a giant alligator lunged out and just grabbed him by the right forearm.
2: Oh my goodness. I mean, that's crazy. Have you seen alligators there before?
6: No, we've we've never had an alligator sighting on the property. It's, it's freshwater in Florida, so I understand that that's theoretical possibility.
2: If Loki had his paws in the water, you had your, paw, your feet in the water too,
6: right? Not initially, but okay. after everything started going down, yeah. I okay,
2: got so what went down?
6: <laughs> so the gator pulled Loki under and I leapt towards them and grabbed Loki by the collar and, and pulled his head back out of the water. I started pulling both of them back towards the bank of the river. Um, I kept pulling and pulling, but I wasn't making any progress getting the gator to let go. The gator was jerking him side to side, and I lost my grip on the collar. So I jumped back into the river and circled around uh, the gator to approach him from the side. And I was just screaming Loki's name over and over and over and just started pounding on the gator's head in desperation at that point. The gator let go, and I was able to pull Loki out of the river and pulled him about 20 feet away from the bank.
3: So that was kind of reversal back to your military training?
6: I'm not sure that this was the result of military training. I think it was just more instinctual. Uh, No one knows really how they'll respond in such a situation. Nothing about this was calculated. It was fight or flight, and in that moment, I fought
2: just crazy. I mean, but just circling. It is frightening. And, you know, it's so funny because every year here in Florida, we have these incidents where people are walking and the next thing you know, a gator comes up or a panther comes up. I mean, geography makes a difference. And I think it's really important, depending on where you live, to know what animals or you know what's out there, right, Doc? Yes. I mean, what's out there that can affect you and your pet and your, you know, and your family? I mean, you know, you you have a small son now, so it's ten acres. At some point, he'll be walking and running around, so
6: <laughs> you know. We're getting quotes for field fencing to go up along this side of the river. Good planning. Good yeah, planning.
2: So, okay, so let's talk about Loki. Like, what happened? I mean, you rushed him to the veterinarian.
6: Yeah, so uh, when I got Loki out of the water, I saw that his right front forearm was nearly severed off, and it was just hanging on by a shred. So he had a double open fracture with both uh, with the ends of both of those forearm b- bones protruding several inches out. Um, my wife, Dr. Christina Deek, was out of earshot, so I called her on the phone, and she came running out screaming and crying. She stayed with Loki while I ran inside, packed a diaper bag, and brought the car back. She rode in the back of the car with Loki on the way to our vet. That vet stabilized his paw, got an IV catheter started, and called ahead to Blue Pearl, which was the closest emergency vet. We were told that there wasn't much hope for his leg, and there was a chance that he'd die en route to that emergency vet. That emergency vet was 45-minute drive away. Uh, Christina laid across the dog to keep him immobilized while maintaining pressure on the wound. She kept comforting him and reminding him how much we loved him. Uh, by, by the time we got to Blue Pearl, he was in shock, shaking, shaking, Slowly losing consciousness, and the vet techs of Blue Pearl rushed out and grabbed him and brought him in and got him stabilized.
3: Well, let's move along. Where are we at today with Loki?
6: So the surgeon there got uh, after they got a good look at the paw, they noticed that he still had sensation in the um, in the uh, in the paw, and with there being some nerve connection and blood flow, they recommended saving the leg rather than amputation. So they imp- put a, a metal plate implant and um, several screws in there to stabilize it. They put on a splint and a cast. It's kind of a Hail Mary. We weren't sure if the soft tissue would heal. After six post-op appointments, um, they're very happy with the way things are healing.
3: Well, you are just a, a wonderful person. Your family's wonderful, and we really well, will be, I thinking mean, we'll, we'll be thinking
2: of Loki all the time. We'll be thinking of you, too. I mean – You know, the fact that you jumped in that water, I mean, you know, I know you got a few uh, bumps and scrapes, but I mean, something could have happened to you and that would have been horrible too. Well,
3: like you said, flight or fright.
2: Yeah, exactly.
3: Trent, thank you so much for joining us today and appearing on the Pet Bus and telling us this remarkable story. Um, And we're really glad that Loki's coming along. So what a story. If a gator got one of my dogs, I
2: I would do the same thing. But, you know, Dr. Fleck encouraged me to walk the dogs with a bat because sometimes they're loose
3: dogs. I do. I would
2: probably beat that alligator to death. Can you see me with my orange bat beating that gator to death? Yes,
3: I can see you doing that.
2: So, but I want to know, what would you do? I don't know if you know this, but it's toward the end of alligator mating season, and there are more gators everywhere, especially here in Florida. So we want to tell you to be careful.
3: Absolutely, especially the golfers.
2: Exactly. Well, anyway, our time is up, and we need to wrap the show. But before we go, we want to give you a preview of next week's show. So next week, we're talking about the horrible 100. That's the worst puppy mills and dealers in the United States. Obviously, some 4th of July pet tips. And, of course, there's always more to talk about with Dr. Fleck.
3: And, of course, we must thank our guests for this week, Dr. Peter Lee, Doug Shoop, and Sergeant Trent Tweedale.
2: And, of course, we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin, coat, and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere.
3: If you have any questions, write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. We'll cover this next week on our show.
2: Yeah, and if you've missed any portion of this show, visit our social media channels as well as your favorite streaming channels and listen to the link podcast on Monday morning.
3: But just most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you. Take better care of your pet. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz.
1: The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Tune in each week for the latest 411 on everything pet related. Visit our website at www.thepetbuzz.com. Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.